So we're in a series moving through the I Am statements of Jesus because we must engage the world with his story. We talked about this this summer. We must be Jesus to the people around us. We have to be. And to be Jesus, we need to understand who he is. And he declares this in the seven I Am statements we find in the New Testament book of John. We started with the statement, I am the door. Jesus is a door that leads to a relationship with God. In this statement, we find that people can experience a rich and satisfying life by following Jesus. We then discover Jesus serves as a door as our good shepherd. And Jesus, as the good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. We engage the world with this I am statement with the understanding that we must die so that others might live for eternity. And last week we found Jesus is the bread of life. From John chapter 6, we learn that we can display the compassion of Christ by feeding the hungry, delivering people from danger, and sharing his story. And now we're going to turn our attention to John chapter 11 to learn that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And as we do, here's what we're going to find, that we are all a vital part of the kingdom of God. Let's say that again. You are a vital part of the kingdom of God. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 17 through 27, and I'm going to also invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. In John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So the very words of God, you may be seated this morning. What we find in this passage is that you are a vital part of the kingdom of God, whether you are spiritually dead, you know of Jesus, or are excited to see him. As I was diving into this passage just last week, I, I had never thought about before three responses to Jesus, but it just kind of drew out of this passage for me. We see three different responses. People knew Jesus was coming, and we see three different responses. The first was for Martha. What did she do? She heard Jesus was coming, and she passionately began to run to him so she could talk to Jesus. Mary, what she do? She hears Jesus is coming. She sits at home, waits for him to come. And the last one, well, Lazarus, can't really blame the guy. I mean, he's just dead. But that's the third response. But what's interesting is you see those same three responses in the world today. People passionately running after him, those that sit, even in a church chair, waiting, Jesus, you're welcome, welcome into my life. 
waiting for him to come. And the last is they just don't have any relationship with God whatsoever. So in what category would you place yourself this morning? Are you a Martha? Are you passionately pursuing Jesus? You know, if you're not, I bet you could name a few that you know that are. Do you wake up early so you can have time in his presence? Do you think about him throughout your day? As you're walking through Meyer or Walmart, driving down the road, are your thoughts on him? Maybe you're a Mary. Wake up, drink your coffee, head out the door for work, go through the motions day in and day out. Came here this morning, you sat down in that chair you've been sitting in for years, waiting for Jesus to show up. Or you could be Lazarus. Here, not even sure what led you to walk through the door today. You're spiritually dead. You have no relationship with God whatsoever. Let me tell you, no matter what category you find yourself in this morning, it is important for you to understand that you are a vital part of the kingdom of God. You are wonderfully and uniquely made by God to bring talents and abilities and gifts to the kingdom that no one else can. There's no one like you on this planet, and that's by God's design. You might be here today thinking you're unimportant, that your life doesn't matter. But I'm here to tell you, your life matters. The enemy may be trying to convince you that you have no worth, but God says, before you were formed in the womb, he knew you. And more than that, he made you in his image. So let me say it again. If you remember nothing else today, may you remember this. You are a vital part of the kingdom of God. Now let me be clear. If you're sitting around waiting for Jesus, or worse, you're dead to God, you are not living up to your God-given potential. But with Jesus, you can change all of that. The good news is if you find yourself in a dead situation or are feeling a need for personal reviving, Jesus' statement in John, I am the resurrection and the life. It's for you today. Apostle Paul, he writes in Romans, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Unbelief and evil are connected with the old way of life of living without God, but faith and life are connected with the new life in Jesus. This is why later in the story in John, Jesus commands the people to remove the grave clothes from Lazarus and, and give him freshness and a new fragrance in life. Here's what he says in John 11. Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. There may be some people here today who need to get out of the grave and out of your grave clothes. Start to live out your new life in Christ. And if that's you today, I'd like to encourage you, choose life. Choose victory over death in Jesus' name. When Jesus spoke to Martha about her brother's resurrection, she affirmed her faith in that Jewish doctrine. She said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of that last day. But I love what Jesus says. He changes everything about resurrection here. Jesus had quite something else in mind with what he said about the resurrection in life. 
hear this. He moved resurrection out of a statement of faith and into a person and out of the future and into the present. The resurrection power of Jesus is available for you today. And if that doesn't get you excited, you just might be a Lazarus. But good news is, Lazarus, Jesus is here to resurrect you today. If you don't know Jesus, and I mean really don't know him, what you need to understand is you're not spiritually sick. You're actually dead in your sins. But, you know, two of my favorite words in the Bible, you see them combined, but God. Whenever you see that, you need to read that twice. Here's one from Ephesians. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. What a promise. This is part of why I passionately pursue Jesus. Why would we not? What a privilege. What a promise we have in him. We don't know how many people Jesus raised from the dead as you look at the Gospels. There are three that we have recorded, but there could have been more. He raised a 12-year-old girl who had just died. We see this in Luke 8. A young man who had been dead probably a day. This is in Luke 7. And Lazarus, the one we read this morning. An older man who had been dead for four days in John 11. And if I were to ask you, which of these persons was the most dead You might think about the movie Princess Bride. Our nine-year-old son, Nate, found it on Netflix. He's watched it a couple times now. But unlike Wesley, who was proclaimed and declared that movie as mostly dead, there's no such thing. You're either dead or you are alive. There is no in-between. Millions of refined religious people live in our world who, like the little girl, give no evidence of decay but are still spiritually dead. Others, like the young man, they, they give more indication of decay. And some, like Lazarus, are quite decayed and everybody knows it. But in the end, all of them are dead. And yet, all of them, these three examples we have, they experienced resurrection in Jesus. Are you waking up each day, going through the motions, not living for God but only for yourself or for your family? Are you living without joy, without a sense of resurrection in your life? I would encourage you, begin to ask God to fill you with a hunger, a passion for him and his ways. Wake up early tomorrow, spend time in prayer, read the Bible, begin to pray out to him. Ask him to fill you with a hunger for more of him. I promise you, that's a prayer he answers. You are a vital part of the kingdom of God, but only when you are passionate about him can God use you in the way he desires. You are a vital part of the kingdom of God by serving as resurrection and life for others. There are two great and glorious differences between physical resurrection and spiritual resurrection. The first is this. Everybody, Jesus or the apostles, they raised from the dead, they died again. Lazarus eventually went to the grave. But those who have experienced spiritual resurrection... Those who have been raised to eternal life will never die again. Their bodies may sleep in death, but their spirits will go to be with Jesus forever. 
And when Jesus returns, they will receive glorious new bodies as will believers who are alive at his coming and caught up in the air. This is our promise. And here's the second difference. The people Jesus and the apostles raised, they returned to natural life. But those who have trusted Jesus since his ascension to heaven, they possess supernatural life in the person of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I mean by that. After Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected, he spent 40 days visiting with people, and then he ascended to heaven. But before he left, he told the disciples he must go so the Holy Spirit would come. Reading from John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We live by faith in the resurrection power of Jesus through the energizing ministry of the Holy Spirit. The very power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to all of God's people today. This is what the Apostle Paul called the power of the resurrection in Philippians 3. And the power of the resurrection, it's not only saving power, it is that, but it's not only keeping power, it's also living power. It's for today, and it's serving power. The Holy Spirit is vital, and you are a vital part of the kingdom of God as you live in the resurrection power of Christ and serve others. And one of the questions I've gotten lately, it's related to our church moving to, to services. I get that question periodically. Church leadership has talked about it, and with a number of people in our area who are without a relationship with Jesus, if you don't know the stat, six out of ten homes, they're at home today. They're not in a church. I hope we have the need to move to two services at some point. You should want this as well. Because if we stay as we are, it means we're not fulfilling the mandate of the church. We must be Great Commission Christians and a Great Commission church. A church committed to making disciples of all nations and West Lafayette is a community of all nations. This is what Jesus expects of his church, to go and make disciples and we do this and Jesus will build his church. Now I do wanna make clear here, Jesus is the one who builds his church. Reading from Matthew 16, it says, Jesus is saying here, I will build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Pastor Zach and Shelley do not build the church. Our pastoral staff does not build the church. Our, our deacons do not build the church. Jesus said he would build his church. So whose church is this? It's his. We just get to be a part. What a privilege. Connection point is his church and he will build it. So the question is, what is our part? What we see is there's always a God side and a human side. It's this glorious partnership that we have with God. You know, when he said to relocate, of course, the state had an influence there, but really God works through the world to accomplish his purposes. The church did. They're here. When Jesus said, leave Jerusalem, come to West Lafayette, that was for our family. We did. It's our job to listen to the Lord and to respond in his name. When he says, commit yourselves to prayer, we created a prayer guide. When he says, prepare for growth, it's exactly what we do. So in short, we fulfill Jesus' expectation of his church, and then he builds it. So we've been preparing the church for transition to two services to create capacity for growth. We know we've got to do that. 
Lots of things going on in the background to make that happen, raising up volunteers to serve on Sunday mornings, creating systems to better follow up with guests, transitioning to a church management system that enables us to schedule volunteers and better organize the church. These are all kind of human things, but they're important. Jesus will build Connection Point as we dedicate ourselves to him, and as he does, guess what? We're going to start to feel some growth pains. And that's a good thing. And here's what I mean. You wait in line for coffee. Oh, heaven help waiting in lines. We run out of donuts. Woo! Lord help us. Seats full in the auditorium. All of a sudden you come in, someone's in your seat. How dare they? Praise you, Lord. <laughs> kids' rooms packed with kids. Amen. Uh, we are tracking numbers, and when we start to feel those growth pains, we'll obviously know that that's a time to transition to two services. So that's what we're just watching. And as we start to see people standing in lines, people waiting in cars, trying to pull out, then we'll know it's time to move to two services, and not before. So it could be the end of next month. So we've talked with our department leader, said prepare for the end of next month. Who knows? Let's be ready. But it could be next March, could be next year. We basically know that it's our job to prepare, and it's Jesus' job to build the church. That's how we yoke ourselves with him. So that's all we're doing. So hopefully that answers your question. When are we going to do it? As Jesus builds his church. But we'll be ready. That could be a couple of things I'd like to ask as we create capacity, though. A couple of things. First one is this. It would help us for you to remain patient with our wonderful floor hosts who come and ask you to move down into the row to create spaces beside you. Good news is this. Jesus is in the seat next to you, too. You can find them there. Uh, really, they're trying to help seat people as a part of inviting them into the church. So we, just, we appreciate your help there. The other thing is this. As we want to have the, the right people in our kids' hallways, so we're going to set up some health and safety people in place in the kids' hallways to check stickers. So please be kind to them. Show them those stickers. Look, we don't take our responsibility lightly to, to keep your kids safe, Right? So when they ask to see that sticker, please show it. Don't give them a hard time. It's important that we are making sure your kids are in the right place. So keep that sticker with you. If it makes you feel any better, Shelly and I have to have our stickers too. Um, so we're all in that boat together. So please help us in that way. And if your favorite donut is gone before you get to the table, don't worry about it. Good news is you no longer have to walk those three miles when you get home to burn it off. Isn't that a blessing? And if it takes a few minutes to exit the parking lot, it's okay. Roll down your window, talk to that person that you're scowling at, okay? You know, I, I do know this. As we start to see that happen, as we start to feel those growing pains, when you come in and you've got somebody pressed up next to you that you're singing in worship, that should be an exciting thing. Not something that causes you to feel like, man, I wish, uh, you know, this is my church, what do they have the right to be here? I need my elbow room. We shouldn't feel that way. It really will be an exciting thing as we see God do what he wants to do in this place. And he crowds out the place in his name. Amen? So by accommodating growing pains, you serve as resurrection and life for others, even in those simple things. And the last point is this. You are a vital part of the kingdom of God by knowing who Jesus really is. Jesus tells Martha he's the resurrection and the life. And then he asks her, do you believe this? I don't think we 
you know, so often we talk about Peter's declaration of who Jesus is, and I think we miss Martha sometimes. Here's what she says. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. It's powerful. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, you know him as the Son of God, then you have the ability to serve as resurrection and life to the world. When you are a Martha, passionately pursuing Christ, you make a difference in the world. You just do. When you begin living for God, your priorities change. What matters in this life is different for you than for those who have no knowledge of Jesus in eternity. You maybe have experienced this. You pull out of your driveway on a sunny morning, headed to church, while some of your neighbors, they're sitting out at home watching TV. They're running kids off to sports programs. Passionately running after Jesus has now made being together with brothers and sisters in Christ more important to you than hanging out at home and enrolling your kids in every sports league in town. It just changes your priorities. Having your kids influenced by the church becomes more important than extracurricular activities. And as we work to create capacity within the church, we know it will be important for some people to say, I'd be willing to serve as resurrection and life for others on a Sunday morning. People who will dedicate their Sunday mornings to being in church and serving our near neighbors who don't know Jesus. Whenever we make the transition to two services, we'll need individuals to commit to serving a worship gathering and attending a worship gathering, to serve one and attend one. And so the question is, will you be one of those resurrection people? Will you be one of those life-giving families? You are, your family is a vital part of the kingdom of God. The way you serve on a Sunday morning matters. Your ability to serve as resurrection and life for others each week bears eternal significance. May we not lose sight of that. And the great thing is, everyone will have the ability to be in a worship gathering. That's what I love about two services. You can go teach those fifth graders in first service and come and worship in second service. You could come and worship in first service and go greet people in the parking lot for that second service. Now, I know that there are those who could say, I can't imagine spending a whole Sunday morning here, but I want to put this in perspective. We all have the same 168 hours in a week. Question is, what are you doing with those hours? I actually have a chart laid out for my week. For those that know me, I'm sure you're not surprised by that. But I do that because I want to make sure I'm honoring God with my time. You know, we talk a lot about honoring God with our finances, stewards of our finances, but how are you stewarding your time? That's important as well. On my chart, there's time to rest, time to abide, time to exercise, time to work. And within that work, we've got meetings and message preparation and organizational management, time for church, time for family. Those are the big six. So I want you to think and reflect, what are you doing with those six areas of your life? Resting. It's important to rest. You rest so you can work. Important to abide, to exercise, to work, to be a part of your church family, and obviously spend time with your, your regular family. And I bring this up because for many of you, it's likely you'll need to start saying no to some things, even good things, outside of those six weekly anchors to create some margin in your weekly schedules to better honor God with your calendar. Look, Americans are busy. We know this. I can tell you I rarely say yes to serving on committees, boards, doing district things. I get asked and I tell them no. Why? Because if I say yes to those things, I know I've got to say no to other important things in my life. So there's a powerful word. It's just say no. Say yes to the right things, no to those things which will distract you. 
And here's what I know. I calculate the hours. If you spend, when we go to two services, if you spend your Sunday morning here and are in a connect group, that's seven hours in a week. Seven hours out of 168. Even if you attend like the women's event, you do one event a month, maybe you average 10 hours a week. So 10 hours for church, for your spiritual growth and development, for your opportunity to serve as resurrection and life for others, and you've got 158 for the rest of your week to handle all those other things. If you put it in perspective, sometimes it's easier to understand that, God, I really could do a lot in your name. Because here's what I know. What you do in this life will echo in eternity. If you know who Jesus is, Jesus the door, Jesus the good shepherd, Jesus the bread of life, Jesus the resurrection and the life, then you have a tremendous opportunity to share him with others. What a joy to bring life to others. If you've not been a part of that in somebody else's life, I want to tell you it is a joy to be life-giving to others. And a simple way to do that is to commit yourself to church on a Sunday morning. You are a vital part of the kingdom of God as you live in the resurrection power of Christ by serving others on a Sunday morning. So as we close, I want to ask, are you willing to serve as resurrection and life for others in the greater Lafayette area? Will you commit your Sunday mornings to the church so that others might live? What I'd like to ask you to do is in your programs this morning, you were given a card. It says, I am vital. If you want to pull that out for a moment, I just want to talk through that for just a minute. If you didn't get one of those cards, our floor host would be happy to get you one. Just simply raise your hand, and they'll get you one of those cards. We've got a couple of people that need that card this morning. Thank you, Phil. So on that card, it says, I am vital. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm willing to serve one and attend one. So there's four areas that we know that that could happen. You could easily serve in guest services or in one of the Connection Point Kids areas to do that. Guest services includes our, our welcome sign. How many have pulled in to see our welcome sign hosts? Have any seen those? Have you come in at that time frame? Aren't those guys awesome? That's a fun place to be. So that's part of guest services. In the parking lot, in our main street, our floor host, this is all guest services. So Phil Pusey, he heads up our guest services, so I give him a hard time because he's over the welcome sign hosts, the parking lot hosts, the sidewalk hosts, the main street hosts, over the floor hosts, so we call Phil our connection point, Lord of hosts. Small L, small L. But that's guest services. Uh, uh, basically, you welcome people into the church. Otherwise, our kids' areas, of course, we've got our elementary area, our preschool, and our infant-toddler area. Simple places to serve, and you bless our kids when you do it. And here's what I want us to understand. As we bless the kids, it's not that we're simply raising up the future church. Our kids are the church now. They are the church. Our youth are the church. They're not the future church. They are the church. So when we disciple our kids, we're discipling the church. Now, the reason we're filling these cards out now is, even if we don't go to two services until next year, is it takes time to do background checks for our kids' areas to make sure that our kids are safe. And it gives opportunity for our department leaders to have time to talk to you, to answer questions, and to train you into ways you can serve as guest services or in our kids' areas. So I just encourage you, take a minute. You can fill out your name and contact information and select any area that may interest you, and then we'll have people follow up and answer questions to see how you can serve as resurrection in life. Because basically, in response to this message, there's two responses. You either need resurrection and life in your life, you need resurrection today, or you should, in knowledge of Jesus, serve as resurrection and life for someone else. 
It's one of those two things. There's really no in-between. So this is the invitation for you to do that on a Sunday morning. And as you go, um, floor host, if you could help me and just maybe have a couple of empty buckets at the doors. As you exit from this place, if you simply drop one of those into the bucket as you exit, that will help us know that we can follow up with you. And I just want to thank you in advance for serving as Resurrection and Life. So I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. I'm going to invite our music team to come. And we're going to close in song. But before we do, I do want to ask, if you're here today, these cards are opportunity for you to serve as resurrection in life for someone else, but maybe you need to experience resurrection in life in your life today. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus, you would say, I really am a Lazarus. I'm living in spiritual death, but you don't want to stay that way. You want to experience resurrection in life today. I'm going to encourage you as we close in prayer to simply raise your hand. So with every head bowed here today. If that's you today and you'd say, I need to experience resurrection in life in my life today, I want you to raise your hand so that we can pray with you, give you a Bible, and encourage you to walk with Jesus for a lifetime. Anyone here today that would say, I need Jesus as resurrection in life today. I've been living in death, but I pursue, I want life today. Anyone here today that would say, I need resurrection. I need life. Anyone up in the balcony? If that's you today, I do want to encourage you. Pastor Jennifer is up here in the front. And as we dismiss and go out the back doors, but if you are needing resurrection in life, I would encourage you, don't go through the back doors. Come up to the front so that you can meet with Jennifer. She'll simply give you a Bible. She'll pray with you and give you information on how you can follow Jesus for a lifetime. We don't want you to make that decision alone. We, we want to be able to help you in that decision together and have someone matched with you that can walk and share Jesus with you. Let's sing.